Welcome to the Grappling Discourse Podcast. My name is Matt Scaff. In this episode, I want to talk about your offensive journey when you start Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. So we've all played video games before, and when you start a video game, most of them, you start with either the worst weapon or your character doesn't have a weapon, and some you start in basically just like a loincloth with no weapons. You got to find a sword, you got to find a gun, and that's where the game starts. And... Often, that's the most stressful part of the video game. If you think about some of the Resident Evils or Halo or you know any of those where you're going through the story mode and it's like, oh crap, I'm almost out of ammo and you have to find ammo. And during some of these boss fights and you know again, just going through some of these worlds, it's so funny how sometimes at the worst time you don't have the right gun you don't have uh you know enough ammo for the right gun you need you know you're missing something and as you progress though through the game your character levels up and as you level up you find all the best weapons you by the end of the game you usually have tons of ammo and then you're pretty much unstoppable and it's like, oh man, I can, that boss that gave me trouble, you know, four chapters ago, I would mer- like super easy boss fight now because I have, you know, pretty much unlimited ammo with the gun I needed where back then I only had three shots with the rocket launcher. Now I've got 20, whatever it is. Um, I know a lot, again, video games is one of those things we all have played at least at some point. We've all been in, uh, in that struggle. Well, I was talking to a guy uh, a couple of days ago, and he'd messaged me about his offense. And it got me thinking a lot about that narrative of starting off a video game with either no weapon or very limited weapons, having to find you know, your ammo. And I'd heard something Brandon always told us uh, when I was coming up through the ranks, that you start with the revolver, okay? And this is everybody. Nobody gets to start off in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu with all the weapons. You don't get to start off with every weapon at your disposal. And especially for your first year, you really only have one bullet. And so your first move, I want you guys to think about as that one bullet you found. It works for you, but it's still limited. You can't catch everybody with it. And you definitely don't have like other guns. You don't have like an Uzi. You don't have any of that stuff. You just have one bullet that's working for you. And there's a lot to be said for finding that first bullet. And so when I started, the guillotine was the first move that I started regularly submitting people with. My first submission that I can really remember, the one that really mattered to me, uh, I think happened at about the two or three month mark, somewhere in there. And I had tapped a guy out that started out um, at the same time as I did, he was another young athletic guy. And I remember I tapped him with a guillotine choke and it was a big deal for me. And so I really started to just hunt the guillotine. Like that's what was working for me. And so, you know, if a wrestler came in, I started to find success with it. And I think it's really important for you guys to not feel like you need to move on from your first bullet, especially too soon. Some guys at White Belt, and this is where the question really came in. He said he feels like he's using the same one or two moves too often. And should he diversify? Should he look to add the things he's not good at? And what I told him is, is no. Like you really want to keep developing that first move. So whatever you're having success with, especially if you're at that under two, three year mark, really keep developing it. 
don't ever just throw it away unless it's just something you're so tired of hitting. Like you're like, oh my gosh, I tap everyone in the room with this move. That's the point where you need to make it like move on from it. Like if you're like at the point where either you're an instructor, like that means that to me that you're a higher level guy and you don't need to worry about that. But just because you're good at a move and you're catching 70% of the room with it, the hardest part is that last 30%, the blue belts, purple belts, brown belts, and black belts. And so your first movement one day is going to be at black belt level where you're catching black belts with it. And so the guillotine for me, first time I trained with Brandon, like that was my favorite move that, and I was working the Kimura trap. So my offense has looked like this through the years. Started with the guillotine choke was my favorite. Took a seminar by David Avalon on the Kimura trap. Then I started doing a lot of Kimura trap stuff that I learned from that seminar. At Blue Belt, I started learning some leg locks. I took a couple seminars, got a couple private lessons with Go Korchevechkin, and I became all about leg locks. At Purple Belt, I started to add in some Darce chokes, and I started to really like the Darce. And the North-South also started to appear in my game at Purple Belt. At Brown Belt was when I really started working the Anaconda and the Arming Guillotine, so I really started to add back in, like the guillotine became a huge priority for me and the front chokes. And then at black belt, the rear naked choke has been a huge part of my development. And so you see each move has kind of come along. Like I started with the guillotine, it's moved each belt level. It's been with me. Okay. I've been getting better and progressively getting better at the guillotine. And then along the way, I add other tools or I add other weapons or however you want to look at it. Okay. And so white belt is really difficult because this journey, I think what's so tough is it demands a lot of time. Like it is truly a journey. It is a marathon and you have to think about it like that just because you've been training. I mean, a year is a long time for a lot of activities. I mean, if you play Mario Kart for a year, five times a week, you're going to be pretty darn good at Mario Kart. But in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, you're still going to be at level one of the game. And that's so difficult for a lot of people to kind of grasp. And even for myself, sometimes I'm just amazed at how big the journey is. Like I've been a black belt now a couple of years. I'm coming on, I think I'm under a year for my first degree. And it's like, man, I still like have so much to learn and it's really just mind-blowing when you sit and think about it like how just big this game is and you really really want to have focus in your early stages the less focus you have and the more you're trying to gather 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 techniques I think it can hinder you a little bit. I think it's very important that you're constantly keeping an open mind, but at the same time, you do want to spend a lot of your training, especially the first year, in my opinion, you're finding out what you like. You've seen a Kimura, you've seen an Americana, you've seen pretty much all the moves in jujitsu. We tell our guys all the time, especially when you're blue belt, you know all the same moves as a black belt. Like you've seen them all. There's not just like random moves that get kept secret until you're a black belt. And so 
at that one year mark, you have a really good idea of at the moment, okay, this is what I like. Well, train that and really strive to develop it into a weapon. And each belt level, you'll find that you get better and better and better at your first move. Everybody's got a first move. You can never predict. I mean, I know some people go, well, I look at his body type and he's got long legs, so he's going to like triangles. I don't know. We don't do that here at 10th Planet Decatur. We really let guys discover and explore, and we don't tell somebody what to work on. We just let them go, okay, I really like this. And anytime somebody asks me, hey, what do you think I should work on? I just go, well, what do you like? And that's usually where we start them off at. And I always tell guys in the first couple of months not to even think about having a game. It's really just trying to see as many different parts of it. And at that six month, especially year mark, you're going to really start to develop the beginnings of getting a game. So I know that is going to be really difficult because at times we're all impatient and we want the whole piece of the pie. But if you treat it and you start to think of it like that video game, just remember each journey and each level, you're going to need different tools. And the ones you're working right now and having success with are the ones that you probably should be working on. I told uh, my buddy, he's a white belt. And I think honestly, he's Uh, I trained with him, you know, let's say for the first time I trained with him a year ago, he'd visited the gym and I rolled with him probably three months ago and he had improved tremendously like night and day. I was really, really proud of him. And I just told him, I was like, you know, really keep that 70, 30, 80, 20 in mind. If you're really worried, like wanting to make sure that you're not just constantly going back to the same techniques, just have a day. If you're training four times a week, Well, three of them really work the stuff that's working for you and keep trying to level up the guard or the pass that's working for you and the options right around it. And then have one day that's an experiment day where you're just there purely as an open book and you're there to learn, absorb anything the teacher, you know, wants you to learn and try. You're going to try that during rolling and you're going to try and play a B and C type game to develop the weaker areas. I always appreciate you guys messaging me. I've just really been overwhelmed with the amount of support and just the nice words that um, a lot of you have sent me. So 2020, I'm going to do a lot of podcasts. One of my big goals is to do 100 podcasts in 2020. I just, I really like expressing myself through this avenue. I'm not a big social media guy. If any of you guys follow me, I'm not really a take a picture of myself or, hey, I'm going to post a video of my training. I just, I don't know. I always feel like that stuff's kind of sacred. (laughs) That might sound weird, but I've always been kind of real private about that. Not that I want to hide secrets, nothing like that. It's just, I don't know. I don't really like being in front of the camera, but um, you're going to get a lot of podcasts from me and um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to see kind of where this goes and obviously I'm telling you, send me a message. I'll always respond if you're having trouble with training or you're, you know, hey, I'm thinking about quitting or I'm really worried about my progress. I promise I will you know, answer it. And I promise I've been there before. We all have. And anybody that's saying that I've always loved jujitsu, and I've heard guys say that. And I've even heard some guys that are, you know, I've trained jujitsu every day of my life and it's a jujitsu lifestyle. I get it. 
but I don't really think that's a real representation of what most of us feel. And I'm guaranteeing that they've had moments of darkness in their journey. If they haven't, honestly, I think then they haven't experienced the high joys in their journey as, as well. You need those dark moments to really, really feel the accomplishments and just the joy of succeeding. So I'll see you guys in 2020. Let's all kill it this next year. I've got a lot of goals. I'm going to do a podcast kind of telling you what I'm going to be up to and the things I'm looking to accomplish and what I was happy of in 2019 and the areas that I need to work on. So that'll be coming soon. 2020, guys, let's kill it.